All right, three, two, one. Welcome to the One Take Show. My name is Kaushik Shrivastava, and you're listening to the 11th episode. That's right. We have broken the 10 episode curse of podcasting, where most of the podcasts last for only 10 episodes. But what a way to break that curse! For we have such a beautiful episode in our hands today. Our guest today, ladies and gentlemen, is Mr. Bharat Chog. Although sir needs no introduction, but for the purposes of this podcast, I must introduce him. Sir is a former judge and is currently working as a partner with Luthra and Luthra Partners. Sir is also a writer, columnist, and a poet. And today, sir has taken time off his very busy schedule to talk about his experiences as a judge and the grand shift from judiciary to litigation. In the second part of this conversation, sir will discuss the white collar crime practices and why India needs super lawyers. Make sure you listen to both the parts because. Both the segments of this conversation add so much value to our intelligence and to our perceptions. If you like these episodes, make sure you like, you share, and you follow the podcast. If you have any suggestions, feedbacks, please feel free to reach out. I would love that. We are recording this podcast remotely, and hence the audio quality might suffer a little bit. But trust me, as I've said, this is one of the richest conversations I've ever had. And hence, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado. Let's jump right into the discussion. Hello sir, welcome to the One Take show. I am so so excited to have this golden opportunity, this once in a lifetime opportunity to be able to speak to you, to interview you and to learn from your wide wide experience. Thank you so much for accepting my invitation and thank you thank you so much for taking time out for this recording. I'm really really grateful that you could take time off uh, for this recording today. Thank you for having me Gostav. You're doing a great job and pleasure being here. Thank you so much, sir. So before we start with this conversation, I want to come off clean because I have been not just a follower of your career, of your achievements, of everything that you've done, but I've idolized uh, your uh, perspectives. You've been an idol not just for me, but all the law students who have seen and learned from you. We have read all your interviews. We have uh, gone through all the webinars and given us the opportunity to learn from them. So first of all, thank you so much for that. And today I have a very special request before we jump to the major two topics that we are going to talk about today. That is, uh, what does it mean to be a white collar crime lawyer? And secondly, uh, what do we understand by the concept of super lawyers in India, and why does India need that? I would humbly request you to uh, please tell me a little bit about your journey as uh, a judge, since you were the former judge. and uh, your uh, how did you manage to take this huge step of moving from judiciary to litigation and to corporate sphere because i'm sure you have answered this question previously in other interviews as well but how was it taking this huge step personally as well as well as socially how was this uh, taking this whole step has affected your actions right right kaushal um you know what i i personally feel that it's very hard to be objective or accurate in uh, 
assessment of one's own actions when one is looking back at one's own life mm-hmm. and i in any event think you know it's it's a bit premature for one to do that and we tend to sort of exaggerate what we've done and look past uh, the things that uh, that that uh, you know were attributable to others so so you know retrospectively analyzing one's life is very difficult uh, but since you put that question to me let me uh, you know share a few thoughts uh, becoming a judge was something that uh, that was not something that i've always wanted to do to just clear mm-hmm. it at the very outset i really enjoyed being a judge it's a fantastic opportunity to to make a meaningful difference to people's lives to dispense justice to to also contribute to the evolution of law and mm-hmm. help be a part of the solution largely because as young people you and me the 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 refrain that we have all the time is that we can't do enough even if we are armed with a law degree uh, mm-hmm. how are we taking our education our profession to the last man and making a difference um, mm-hmm. you can file only as many rtis as you can you can do some pil work but being a young judge gives you the opportunity of you know actually making a real difference day in and day out so it was a fantastic fantastic uh, thing to take up early on in my career mm-hmm. uh, why judgeship over lawyering uh, initially the answer to that would be uh I, i i was passionate about law and i thought being a judge would give me an opportunity to use my skills as a lawyer or somebody who is passionate about law and uh, would allow me to use that to to make <laughs> a larger difference that was number one second was was somewhat personal and sentimental my dad really wanted me to be a be a judge and uh, my my dad's journey becomes a little important there because my dad started off as a as a typist in tisodari courts in delhi uh mm-hmm. he had a very very tough uh, you know sort of life and slowly and gradually he 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 you know did odd jobs at courts drafted affidavits became a typist and a scenographer for other lawyers then went on to become a lawyer at tisari and at that point he thought that yes my child should start off as a judge from the very same mm-hmm. court and it had a very strong sentimental connect there was a second reason the third reason was it's a very difficult exam I mean, it's right. almost like the UPSC of judiciary, you know. So, <laughs> uh, being being somebody who likes to engage with the challenging legal equations and problems, I thought it's 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 a good challenge. Let's just take it up and see where we uh, sort of show up and uh, do we really measure up. So, a couple of these things got together in helping me make that decision, and uh, you know, it it was fantastic while I while I was there, uh, day in and day out. You get to do so much good. There's there's a lot of satisfaction. uh in in doing what you do but i realized you know sometime into the job that although it's it's fantastic but uh i essentially or very fundamentally connected more to the idea of being a lawyer mm-hmm. my father having been a lawyer i was always passionate about advocacy i was i had grown up with the sights and smell and the feel of lawyering around me drafts mm-hmm. being done cases being filed clients being counseled that's how i grew up so it was sort of in my dna and mm-hmm. i personally enjoyed the argumentative the persuasion uh, side of it uh, more than anything else you know there is a saying that there are a few people who love to balance the scales and there are a few people who love to tip the scales so i mm-hmm. i thought that that my calling is 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 the latter and i and i'm i've been passionate i mean it's also got to do with uh, how i perceive life i'm very passionate about reading writing publicly teaching mm-hmm. traveling extremely social as a person 
so uh, as as a judge you you have to sort of limit yourself in a lot of ways in, in terms of the life that you lead uh, mm-hmm. judicial reticence is something that we talk about you cannot give out your mind on a particular issue publicly you have to really really watch what you say uh and i i thought that at some point it was limiting me as a 23 year old or 24 year old and okay. i wanted a slightly wider canvas to to play with and uh, i've always also been obsessed with autonomy and a need for diversity a need for doing different things exploring different practice areas and okay. i thought uh, it would serve me well if in the initial few years i i focus on a, 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 a litigation practice which allows you that wider canvas and then slowly you know sort of think about judgeship and and you know when it happens to you at 23 young judges are doing fantastic i found you know uh, people who sort of straight away gone into judgeship even after law school is doing exceedingly well but oh. i personally thought you know it was almost like living uh, living like benjamin button as i like to joke that you're living <laughs> your life the other way around you know you're sort mm-hmm. of you you suddenly find yourself to be an adult without ever being a child it's almost like you skipped that stage altogether mm-hmm. so i i i uh, wanted to you know uh, uh, reexamine do lawyering for a few years and then take a, a, a informed decision on where the destiny lay for me Right, so the one very interesting aspect uh, there are actually multiple of them. Since the entire story is so inspiring, there's this one aspect that uh, I really want a comment on. You talked about the third uh, motivation uh, that you had while you took the examination. That was you wanted to take up a challenge, uh, just for uh, taking up a challenge to test your limits and stuff like that. Your this mentality has this mentality contributed in litigation as well. Like has this mentality contributed in you becoming and achieving what you have? I think I think it does because as a, as a lawyer, uh, it, it's all about testing your limits. It's all about coming up uh, with a solution for a complex problem. Always being at the cutting edge of uh, what's happening around you, uh, thinking beyond, thinking long term, strategizing. So this mm-hmm. uh, this 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 feeling of uh, you know uh, uh, taking up challenging things and trying to you know make them turn in your favor is something that's very true of lawyering, and uh, mm-hmm. I think it does you know serve one well when one is lawyering. Right, so the reason why I asked you this question was because more than often in law schools we are taught to have one singular goal and one singular aim, which I understand, and uh, to go after it, but not necessarily uh, have been conditioned to try and test our limits in different areas. But this mindset is very inspiring to me because uh, as as a humanities, uh, I took humanities in my class eleventh uh, and twelfth, been conditioned to prepare for UPSC since then. But if, ever since I've been in law school, I've generally wanted to get into litigation. But as a first-generation lawyer, it is very daunting for us to actually enter this field and uh, try our hand at litigation and corporate sphere. But do you have any uh, tips and tricks or some advice for uh, first-generation lawyers who are trying to enter this field? So, so in a lot of ways, you know, sharing my own experience also, I've been, uh, uh, for all practical purposes, a first-generation lawyer because I never. Uh, consciously, uh, you know, sought out my father for for any help in terms of legal practice, whether clients or or the use of an office. I I really wanted, uh, you know, to 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 do something on my own. And uh, mm-hmm. the 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 thing that I inherited from my dad was his library, and uh, that's the best he could give me. And I and I loved that. So so I understand what what starting off concerns and anxieties can be uh, in a profession that is always. Uh, Perceived as 
not very meritorious or a profession that's very very hereditary based on, on mm-hmm. you know where you come from uh, i personally think that even if you have the first mover advantage of uh, having somebody in your family who's a lawyer uh, that only serves you till a particular point you know having a having a great uh, father who's a, he's a legal luminary can can only lead to you know a few clients initially or a reputable presumption that you possibly may also be good but that is not something that would sustain you throughout your career uh, if you right. if you do not measure up in the court we love to say that a lawyer is as good as the last performance in the court so if you get nice. a few cases because of uh, your connections or whatever and you do not measure up there uh, that's not going to see you through uh, which brings mm-hmm. us to the point of what somebody who is a first generation lawyer should do i think it's it's all about hard work it's all about grit as i love to say that uh, the practice of law or litigation is not what you see on suits or any other uh, you know uh, glamorized uh, depiction of what the practice of law is it's all about the library it's all about being at it it's all about uh, making yourself indispensable to the client it's also about mm-hmm. uh, identifying a vacuum in in legal practice and then fulfilling that need and uh, mm-hmm. carving out an identity for yourself it's about uh, being there in the court and making the judge trust you uh, building that credibility attracting clients from court with your performances it's it's all about uh, those things in the longer run and if one is really working hard uh then then no matter where i mean if you if you if excellence at law is what you are uh, pursuing then whether it's judgeship or lawyering or being an in-house counsel uh, everything mm-hmm. sort of follows uh, passion for law is, is the most important right sir so to that extent i uh, would like to ask you has your experience as a judge helped you on the other side of the bench like in the practice so that's that's an interesting question it certainly gives mm-hmm. you uh an insight in uh, you know uh, judicial decision making uh, it it helps you understand how does a judge approach a file how does he appreciate evidence what are mm-hmm. the what are the arguments that normally work for and against the case uh, for instance you know how a judge approaches judgment writing you can structure your arguments in a way that would appeal to his mm-hmm. mind and his reason and his conscience better it helps you align your moral compass with the judge's moral compass and as, as and once you do that then the judge also starts trusting you because you are speaking a language that he understands it also helps you understand uh, trial uh, practices very very well for instance i would have uh, 150 cases listed on my board as a 24 year old judge and mm-hmm. to be able to manage those cases record evidence in those cases look at cross examination in those cases framing charges uh writing judgments passing interlocutory orders doing all of that helps you brush up your first principles of law really really well helps you master trial mm-hmm. practices your evidence act your crpc cpc which are the first principles of law really you get to master right, all so. of those and then uh, those really hold you uh, in in great stead when you when you practice uh but but at the same time although it does mm-hmm. help it is also very very different from the mindset of a judge uh the practice of law here you have to take sides you have to believe in your client's case and you have to argue in a compelling way and make somebody else believe in your version of the truth right and you mm-hmm. have to this is an exercise in persuasion and you are trying to convince somebody who's taught not to believe in you and that is the judge because we are taught at judicial academies to be skeptical and to be especially skeptical of the more glib ones you know 
so as a lawyer <laughs> your task is to mold a will as a the task of a judge right. is to make a decision rightly or wrongly so these are very very different skill sets i think an understanding uh, of judging has helped me lawyer better and i also <laughs> independently practiced for one and a half years before i went on to become a judge so that uh, practice experience also helped me be a better judge in in some ways i like to believe because i had seen <laughs> that side and i i knew uh, how a lawyer approaches the case how to ask pointed questions in order to glean the relevant facts and how to separate the chaff from the grain so all of that sort of helped me uh, uh, be a better judge and try to be a better lawyer now but uh, <laughs> I, i and i i think this is important for me to clarify because a lot of people uh, when i took the decision of uh, uh leaving the judicial services it was a very unconventional decision in a lot of respects and uh, yes, because sir. there weren't many people uh you know who who had done that in the past and now mm-hmm. a lot of people want to uh, sort of take up uh, judicial services with a view to uh leaving it at a later point of time in life which is something that's 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 that that surprises me that also disappoints me a bit because people mm-hmm. ask me that question when they see somebody who's left judicial services and is now uh working as a lawyer and uh, and 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 they think that in that sense judicial services can be a good stepping stone to a career in litigation mm-hmm. which is not really the right way of looking at it uh, i never mm-hmm. took uh, the judicial services to be a stepping stone to a to a great career i i really mm-hmm. wanted to do it served well as long as i stayed at some point realized that my heart and soul lay elsewhere and took that call and then trying to do good at lawyering it it's it should never be a, a planned thing for anyone to take up judicial services and then come to the practice of law uh by okay. learning the necessary skills and by getting that insight that's not something mm-hmm. that's just to the institution or that is also just to you because if you've always perceived the judiciary as a stepping stone then you would not really be a fantastic judge while you are there because judging is is a different ball game altogether it requires compassion it requires sensitivity it requires selflessness it requires mm-hmm. the ability to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and it's a total total uh, you know totally different approach so yeah right sir but for a lot of my listeners who are actually preparing for judiciary and uh, obviously in 2013 at the age of 23 you secured the first rank in the prestigious delhi judiciary services examination and uh, you were turned out to be the youngest civil judge a metropolitan magistrate in your batch this has inspired a lot of my listeners uh, to uh, have this question that i've been i've been instructed to ask you that what was your mantra behind this preparation like was there one two tips and tricks that you had at back of your head while you were preparing for this judiciary so uh, i mean i i would have been surprised if you hadn't uh, thrown that question to me uh, i mm-hmm. i i would love to answer this uh, mm-hmm. the the mantra for, for for you know the most important mantra would be to to really love your law those 15 16 mm-hmm. bare acts that you need to master in order to mm-hmm. prepare for the exam you really need to feel them you need to internalize them you need to start thinking like a judge you're reading a provision in a bare act you have to go behind it and examine why was that provision enacted what was the legislative history uh, am i going to be interpreting it in this way or that way the rules of interpretation mm-hmm. the, the why of law the essence of every provision is something that you need to inculcate while you are reading law if you are very serious about being a judge because the law doesn't operate in a vacuum and 
uh, it's important for a judge to be aware of the social context to be aware of the larger implications of one's judgment and to read law with that frame in mind so important mm-hmm. for you to focus on your bare acts and do them really well uh, mm-hmm. and and read your your standard textbooks think a lot about law thinking is important uh memorizing the important provisions is also important to a great extent because it's a competitive exam and uh time is always uh, running against you when a you know for example you know in in the delhi judicial services exam in 3 hours you may be asked to write three judgments now that that's right. extremely daunting because when you are a judge you can take your time reserve a judgment write it you know in a week's time take the file back home but there in an exam when the exam <laughs> puts you in the driving seat you are expected to write three judgments in the matter of 3 uh, hours after appreciating evidence so what really helps for you to be be up for that task is to start thinking like a judge as soon as you can mm-hmm. and uh, start start building that skill set uh, also language is very important because the judge mm-hmm. speaks through his or her judgments and if you develop a flair for language and uh, you have the ability to express yourself clearly that that's very very important Uh, mm-hmm. what is also important is a very uh, good blend of uh, uh, breadth and depth the exam is is very very extensive in terms of its syllabus you know there are too many acts that you need to learn and understand so you need to have a right, good sir. perspective on the entire uh, breadth of the the subject but you also need to have depth in in certain mm-hmm. areas so it's a very strategic sort of a thing that you do that yes i have to read the entire cpc but i have to really focus hard on res subjudis for example or jurisdiction mm-hmm. or res judicata so you will have to balance mm-hmm. breadth with depth go go really deep into some of the areas which are more important also right. very important for you to pick uh, the state where you are interested in uh, becoming a judge in because different states have sort of different approaches for instance delhi has a very very practical approach to the exam where you are expected to write orders and write judgments as a part of the exam uh some of the mm-hmm. other states for example might have a more theoretical approach where they do not ask a lot of practical questions but they ask you uh, theoretical questions for example what is estoppel now that mm-hmm. requires a totally different approach uh as long as we don't have the all india judicial services these difference in approaches would continue to be there and you will have to focus on uh, what you really want to do and uh, strategize mm-hmm. accordingly right sir Uh, thank you so much, sir, for uh, describing uh, your mantra and your tips and tricks for the judiciary preparation. And I just have one last question in this segment. You shared uh, your opinion on columns, and I'm I'm currently looking at Bharatchuk dot in uh, articles and columns, and you write some beautiful poetry. You you share your opinion on different topics. Uh, what would you like to comment on this interest of yours when it comes to poetry or writing columns and 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 sharing your opinion is concerned? Oh, I I believe. Uh, as lawyers we don't have a tangible good that we are selling all that we sell is is our words and our thinking and our ability to strategize right so words is the mm-hmm. only stock in trade that we have it's important for one to to master it because uh, communication lies at the very essence of our profession um uh, mm-hmm. communication and knowledge by the way it's not just communication it's also about knowing your subject because in a in a knowledge economy or a profession that is as knowledge centric you have to know what the other person doesn't that's what you thrive on you win mm-hmm. a case by knowing a case that your opponent doesn't or you win a case by knowing something that you can explain to the judge better so knowledge is one coming on to the writing part of it 
uh, i think communication <laughs> is important whether it's litigation or corporate or in house counselship or judging uh, because it 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 shows that you 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 have the ability to understand nuanced questions and you have the ability to effectively communicate effectively put your a uh, point across and uh, that mm-hmm. that's that's crucial for the profession uh, and and i I've, I've, i've written a lot and i personally you know as a as a recruiter when i sit i'm really biased towards clear writing because to me clear writing signifies clear thinking and uh, mm-hmm. if and that's that's usually the problem also that uh, uh, if your thoughts are not clear enough then your writing isn't clear enough and if your writing isn't clear enough you don't think too clearly and it becomes a vicious circle of th- sorts so to me somebody who can write very very clearly and communicate effectively is somebody who's also a good thinker and that's a good test uh, to 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 you know uh, uh, you know sort of satisfy and i personally also writing for me and you know this Uh, and i don't just write legal columns i try to dabble with other things also and as you said poetry i i like to call mm-hmm. myself a, a closet poet by the way uh, it's <laughs> uh, for the longest time i didn't have the strength to sort of uh, put it out there um, because i i personally believe that i have just started over a lot that that needs to be done on that count but i i do writing which is non legal also because it's 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 catharsis you know as somebody put mm-hmm. very beautifully it's like uh you 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 can scream without making a noise and you you mm-hmm. in the process of writing you sort out so many things for yourself uh and and uh, you know come out of it uh, more more learned and uh, having having understood it better so yeah that's that's mm-hmm. my take on writing and uh, the emphasis or the importance uh, of writing to a good legal career whether as a judge or a lawyer cannot mm-hmm. uh, really be emphasized enough right sir to all my uh, listeners uh, i am currently looking at a wonderful poem it's the story of a migrant's journey to being unborn i will uh, most certainly not recite it because i will not do justice to this beautiful piece but i will most certainly be uh, linking this in the description of uh, this podcast because i generally want people to read poetry of this uh, of this character because i have been a huge huge fan of poetry sir and honestly this poem this piece in particular is very touching and uh, thank you so much for uh, sharing your opinion on this one particular uh, uh, topic and segment uh, with this i would like to move on to the substantial uh, part of our discussion today uh, i would love to talk about uh, the concept of white collar litigation or what exactly is a white collar crime that ladies and gentlemen was just the first part of the conversation make sure you tune into the second part of the conversation in the following episodes where we discuss the white collar crime practices and why india needs super lawyers if you like the episode make sure you follow the podcast if you have any suggestions feedbacks comments please make sure you reach out to me i would love that thank you so much for tuning in i'll see you in the next episode